And we are continuing on with our theme of spirit-fueled prayer. And over the past couple of weeks, we have heard and hopefully taken hold of and put into practice and brought our prayer life to a, a new level. Pastor John last week spoke and taught on the subject of when we don't know what to say or how to pray and how the Holy Spirit, He comes alongside us and helps us with that, where He helps us to look at not just what we need to pray, but how we ought to pray as well. And also how we can recognize that sometimes the burdens that we carry can be our prayer. Just dissecting the verses from Romans 8, 26 to 29. And the week before that, Pastor Ellen, he laid a solid foundation on this theme, of what it looks like to be praying in the Spirit. That the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who has been with the disciples and the believers in the early church, when the start of the church, the same Spirit is here with us and praying God's prayers through us today. And He still remains and need to remain the center of our life. Because if He is not, then we are and that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. God's got to be the center of our life and our prayers. Our, our prayer life reflect that. So holding on to the, these teachings from the past weeks, which helps us to enhance, helps us to make a difference in our individual prayer life. Let's take a, another step forward and look at this theme, Spirit-Fueled Prayer, and find out what it means and what it should look like. What it should look like when we are applying this to a church as a whole. What a praying church looks like or should look like. I think many of us would agree on this that the television programs have gone through some interesting, sometimes crazy trends over the years. And there may be some patterns that we can pick on. We have seen programs that focuses on similar concept all across different TV channels for a period, period of time. And then there's a, there's a change of concept. The focus is changed from one particular uh, interest to another. For example, you would notice that there will be shows that would focus on mining. And different stations would show shows on this particular focus, like the jade mining or the sapphire mining or gold mining. And there are seasons where these focuses are, and then they change the focus on other particular interests like salvaging or trucking. There was a time in, in, in 2000, between 2010 and 14, a time period when the focus was on overhauling vehicles, overhauling cars. And I remember this one particular show that they used to show, put on, and the idea was that the public would pick on uh, a friend of theirs who they thought that the cars would need some overhauling, some, some fixer-upper jobs need to be done because their cars were basically held on duct tapes and, and, uh, and table ties. And you would think, how is this car still on the, on the road? But they were. So this team of people would, would come and they do all sorts of crazy ideas and build ideas and the exteriors, the, 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 the paint job would be all crazy and the wheels, 
the, uh, the seats will be all new and fancy and, and the electronics. They'll put the loudest sound systems in them. And they'll add gadgets that you, you, we can't even think and imagine that cars will be, will be popping out with gadgets and things. And, and they will also put a unique uh, a feature. A unique feature in accordance to the preference of the, the person who owns this vehicle. I think I've seen so many crazy things in this television program and I remember seeing vans with a jacuzzi in it. I've seen a car with a with the Xbox station, PlayStation set set up in the back of the car where they can stop anytime, anywhere and start playing these games. There was also a van that they set up with a portable skate ramp in it. <laughs> you wonder why. But most times during the overhauling process, the one thing and the most important thing that got overlooked or they hardly included in these shows was the work that was done in the engines of the cars. The focus was what could be seen, what could be improved and enhanced and that could be seen and not much on the one thing that drives that car, that important thing that takes the car and us in it from one place to another, the engine. And it can be true for, for even our normal regular cars today that we can get lost in the surfacey features of our cars and, and we can overlook, not know, or don't really put too much emphasis and care about the important thing that runs these vehicles and that takes us from one place to another. And this morning, it is my heart to talk to you about the engine room. Prayer is the engine room of this church. Most of you would be aware, and if you're not, then I'm telling you right now that this church, at Capital Edge Church, we have an engine room. We have a time set aside, a place set aside where people get together before the service starts even in the morning. We get together and we glorify God. We give thanks to the God. We come and we say, God, we want you to have your say in our services. We want you to have a say in our people today. The engine room, a special place, a special time set aside where we, the church, can get together as a whole to pray. And I want you to understand one thing this morning is that every single member of this church is an important component of this engine. We all are, it's not set aside for just an elite group of people, but you all play a part in this engine room. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century London preacher, whom God used to draw many to Jesus for many, many years. And people would often travel to his church to learn the secret of his success as a minister, as a preacher. When visitors would come to Spurgeon's church, he would take them to the basement, the prayer room, where people were always on their knees interceding. He called this prayer room the engine room that powered the church. If the engine room is out of action, then the whole meal will grind to a halt. We cannot expect blessing if we do not ask, he used to tell them. Prayer is the engine room of every church and you and I, we are those important components of this engine. 
under the obedience and guidance of the Holy Spirit. When we pray spirit-fueled prayers, the engine is firing on all cylinders. There is movement. There is breakthroughs. Healings happens. Doors of opportunities are opened. Ungodly doors are shut. The church is gaining ground as it should. As it should. I want to take us this morning to Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31, to draw out a couple of things from the early church engine room and realign and retune ourselves with what the Bible, what the Word of God tells us about how the ER should operate. But before we read the passage together, let me quickly tell you what's happening around the passage. Peter and John, they have just been released from jail by the Jewish authorities of that time. The reason for their arrest, they were simply walking out of the temple after their prayer. They looked at a crippled beggar who was sitting there asking for money at Gate Beautiful. And this is what Peter said to him. Silver and gold I do not have. What I have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And that's exactly what happened. Simple as that. Simple as that. But here's the thing. What happened next was even more amazing. Your people gathered. People saw this guy walking around. People gathered there. And as a good preacher Peter was, he took that opportunity and he preached the gospel. And many people got saved. So he didn't go well with the Jewish authorities. And so they get locked up overnight. And after being warned and threatened, they get released. I'm reading from Acts 4, 23, 37. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. When the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And you spoke by your Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefathers, saying, How dare the nations play in a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers scheming and conspiring together against God and His anointed Messiah. In fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Jews and non-Jews, met together to take their stand against your holy servant, Jesus the Messiah. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined according to the destiny you had marked out for him. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. As they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the Word of God with unrestrained boldness. Amen. I think this is a great picture of what a church's engine room should look like. What are some of the things that we can draw from this church? Here's the first thing. In the engine room, 
we recognize the unquestionable importance of prayer and having the desire always to pray. Having the desire always to pray. Here, two of their leaders being released from jail, being through tough opposition and persecution. The church didn't decide to send them on a stress leave for a couple of days so that they can go on their own, have a mind reset, and then come back all refreshed so they can think straight. No, that didn't happen. There was not a, a sympathizing with them, like, they're there, everything's going to be all right. No, this is what they did. Verse 24, they, the Word of God reminds us, together in unity, they lifted their voices and prayed. They prayed. There was nothing else that crossed their minds. They all had the same desire to lift up their voices and pray. I'm just going to throw this out there for you to catch. If today you're saying that there is no desire for you to pray, or prayer is not a priority in your life, then your Christian walk is under attack. If you're saying to me that, hey, I don't have a desire to pray that often, the desire to always be in prayer, then I want to tell you that your Christian walk is under attack and you need to seek God right now. You need to seek God and say, God, I want to change around in this situation where my heart's desire is to be always in prayer, in unity with the church. They knew and recognized then, and we should understand this today, that prayer is and it should be the fundamental part of life and not just an add-on to another one of a church activity. Jesus, once when he was in the temple, and we all remember this, in his zeal for his father's house, for his house, he drove away all the merchants, the money changers out of there. Matthew chapter 21, verse 13. This is what it says. And he said to them, My dwelling place will be known as a house of prayer. My dwelling place will be known as a house of prayer, but you have made it into a hangout of thieves. Let's just imagine for a minute. Let's just imagine uh, with me. Think about what it would be like, what it would look like when Thieves hang out together. There is no honor. There is no trust. They don't work together well. They would only think what's good for them. In this place, prayer will have no significance, no importance at all. And there will be no desire to pray because it's full of people thinking, how can me being here benefit me? How can me being here benefit me? When we are bogged down with selfish prophet, there is no desire to pray spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-led prayers to move the church to a place where God wants it to be. It was different for the believers in the book of Acts. They recognized the importance of prayer and what prayer could do. Prayer for them was not about them but what was about who God was and what he could do. Who God was and what he could do. The engine room was roaring with full power and every one of them, every component was playing their part. 
Can I encourage all of us this morning? We need to be revving and roaring with full power. As a church, we need to recognize the importance of prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to grow in us a desire towards prayer. To be always praying. To partner with the church at every opportunity to always pray. The next thing we find in this engine room, the eyes of faith and expectancy are towards the Lord. And there is faith to demand miracles. There is faith to demand miracles. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, a well-known passage again, after the disciples who were unable to heal and deliver a young boy from demon possession, which Jesus did, they go up to Jesus and they inquire about this. Lord, Jesus, why didn't it happen? And Jesus' reply was this, verse 20, I'm reading. He told them, it was because of your lack of faith. I promise you, if you have faith inside of you, no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you couldn't do. Faith is a gift from God. The focus is on having faith in God and His power. A faith which is a real and trusting of God. Not a kind of faith that is wavering, not a kind of faith that is dependent on the situation that surrounds you, but a faith that is from God and in God. When we pray from this position, we look at our problems in the light of God's power instead of looking at God from a shadow of our problem. We look at God in the light of His power. We don't look at our problems. We see how powerful our God is. We see how our God can move mountains for us, which He has, He will do, He'll continue to do. What I also want us to notice from this and take away as well is that here faith needs to be exercised. Faith needs to be exercised. Notice Jesus didn't say, If you have this faith, this real and trusting of God kind of faith, then go home and sleep on it. Go home and think about it. Or go over to your friends, gather them around for a cup of coffee and talk about it. No. Here's what he said. He said, speak to the mountains. This speaking is our prayer. This confidence in God that through Him, situations can change and breakthrough is possible. I want to ask you this morning, are you speaking to your mountainous situation right now? Are you putting that in prayer? Or are you being well versed in all sorts of scriptures and doing nothing about it? Jesus said, 
Speak to the mountain. And I want to encourage you this morning that our prayer is that speaking to the mountain. When we gather and we speak to situations, things move. Things change. Quite often we don't speak to the mountainous situation through prayer. We don't do that. And Jesus is saying, speak to it. Speak to it. Here's what I read some time ago about exercising faith through prayer. Think of faith as a dam. Think of faith as a dam full of water. Exercised through prayer, the engine room of the dam is where the the water hits the turbine blades. And through a process, the result is spark. The result is electricity directed to many homes. A fully functioning engine room produces more than enough electricity to bring light to many, many homes. A spirit-filled engine room has the capacity to do that and more because the Holy Spirit is the generator and the distributor in this process. Where prayer is exercised, God breaks in with His supernatural acts, His signs and wonders. We find that in verse 30 of our main scripture. These Christians in the book of Acts prayed that God would stretch out His hand to heal and that He would perform miracles through them. Through them. And guess what? It happened then, it happens today, and it will continue to happen. The question I'm going to pose to you is, do you, my church, want to be part of it? Do you want to be part of this great move that is continuously happening? In the engine room, we just don't well up with our gift of faith from God, but we declare and we speak through prayer for mountains to move and by His grace we will see them move. Finally, in the engine room, the Holy Spirit manifests His presence and power. I've said this over and over again and I'll say it again. We are a Pentecostal church. And we believe in the presence, in the power, in the divinity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given us His gifts that are operational today. And they are for the benefit of others. They are for the benefit of others. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Prayer is the secret of every Pentecostal outpouring. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, we find after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Word of God tells us that the disciples were in the upper room in one accord and in prayer and supplication. The Holy Spirit came powerfully upon them on the day of Pentecost. But notice this. It was not just limited to that one day. Even in the Bible, next chapter 4, we find that happening again and again and again. 
this church, this engine room, each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they proclaimed the Word of God with unrestrained boldness. The Holy Spirit gives His church the boldness, the power, and the authority to speak the Word of God. This happened after the day of Pentecost and it is continuing over and over again. And today He wants each one of you to experience this for yourself. He wants us all to experience this for ourselves so that others can benefit of us going out there and speaking God's Word openly, freely, and powerfully. Now, I'm not saying that God can't operate without us. He most certainly can. He created the universe just by speaking. I'm saying we have a God-given responsibility as a church to recognize the importance of prayer and have the desire always to pray. To have our eyes of faith and expectancy on Jesus and in His authority, in His authority, demand miracles. In our ERs, in our churches, He delights in that. God delights in this. He delights when His church prays spirit-filled prayers. The Holy Spirit is our fuel that ignites the engine of this church and we need to take advantage of this. Be part of the plan that God has for His church. Let's not miss out. Let's not miss out on the opportunity to raise up our voices to God and see His power at work. I said this in the beginning. Each one of us represents an important component of this engine. Let's be part of that. Let's be that engine with roars on all cylinders for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Engine room, when we set up engine room, it's not just a church event. It's not just another thing that we do at church. It operates the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants your growth. God requires each and every one of you to be in that, overflowing in that room with the power of the Holy Spirit, declaring God's promises and His victory over His church. Amen. Let's close our eyes for a minute. Just apart from what I've preached this morning about the engine room, I just heard this had this word, the word for for multiple people here as we were worshiping God earlier on. And I just saw this picture of of people bowing down 
beneath the cross of Jesus. And they're saying to God, God, I can't be forgiven. The sins that I carry is far too great to be forgiven. And at that moment, I see Jesus' blood pouring over the head of people and washing them clean. Church, I just want to remind, God gave me this word for, for people here this morning saying that there is no sin that you carry that can be forgiven by Jesus. This is a word for people in this house. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven. And you know, we've talked about the engine room. We've talked about how God works through His church. How we can pray spirit-filled prayer through the Holy Spirit. That can only happen if you have the Holy Spirit. And we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus. When we give our life to Him. And we say, Lord Jesus, take lordship over my life. I want to give this opportunity to anyone in this house who's heard it all. They know about Jesus, but you have not given your life to Jesus and given him lordship over your life. I want to give you that opportunity this morning before we pray. If there is someone here saying that I want to give my life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it straight down. Raise your hand now, please. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for giving me a new life. I receive your forgiveness and I work, I walk now in your will and your purposes for my life. Take hold of me and walk with me, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for every heart. Father, I pray for this church. Lord, you can make this church into a roaring, revving engine room. A church of prayer. A church of power. A church of influence. And God, today, you are calling each and every one of us to be part of it. And Father, I just pray that by your power, you bring that influence in our heart to take that step of faith and being part of the call that you have for this church. I ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.